One of my seminary professors was a man named Peter Story. Dr. Story was the Methodist bishop in Johannesburg, Soweto, South Africa for many years. He was also Nelson Mandela's personal prison chaplain on Robben Island for 22 years. Dr. Story told us a story once about how he and Desmond Tutu had arranged for Billy Graham to come to Johannesburg to speak to a crowd of thousands of people. When Billy Graham agreed and finally arrived, he and Desmond Tutu met with Graham in his hotel room the night before just to work out some of the details. One thing that Dr. Story said to Billy Graham that night is he said, I hope you are planning to speak out against the evil of apartheid, about the wrong of racism in our country. If you don't know what the word apartheid means, then take a moment and look it up. Billy Graham's response was, I only preach the message of the gospel. I never get involved in the politics of whatever country I'm speaking and ministering in. And Dr. Story said, no, I don't think you understand. You have to speak about apartheid tomorrow night. You just have to. And Graham said, again, I just don't do that sort of thing. I just preach the message of the gospel. And finally, Dr. Story looked at him and he said, Billy, you don't understand. You cannot preach the message of the gospel in South Africa without talking about the evil of apartheid, without talking about racism and all forms of systematic oppression. The next day, Billy Graham spoke to a crowd of tens of thousands of people. And for the first time in his life, he did speak out against the evil of racism and of all forms of systematic oppression. Over 3,000 people came to the altar at the end of that message. Over 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ that day. And who knows how many other people had hearts that were changed in other ways on that day. I heard that story in a classroom 18 years ago. But just yesterday, for the first time, I got online and I found some video of that sermon, Billy Graham in Johannesburg, South Africa, 1973. In a few minutes, I want to share with you a few of his words that day, directly from his message. But first, I feel like I need to pose a question. And the question is this. Is it possible for us today, right here, right now, to preach the message of the gospel without also addressing the evil of racism and systematic oppression of any and every kind. I'm not sure that it is, especially when I read our passage of Scripture today. Could we go ahead and turn there together? It comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And here's what it says. When Jesus came to Nazareth, 
where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This story in scripture is one that has always drawn my attention. Partly because it was Jesus' very first sermon, the first message that he delivered as he began his public ministry. It's the one that he chose to come out of the gate with. It's the one that really sets the tone for the next three years of his teaching. And I'm sure you noticed it as he read from the scroll, the words of the prophet Isaiah recorded seven centuries earlier at the very center. It is this message about bringing good news to the poor. It's a message about bringing liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and freedom for those who are oppressed. It kind of answers that question we asked a few moments ago, doesn't it? I mean, can you separate the message of the gospel from the message of freedom for those who are oppressed and for those who are held captive? I don't think that you can. There they are together from the very start. A few days ago, I had the opportunity to spend some time with a few of my friends. In our time together, we talked and we prayed and we dreamt about what a better future might look like for our community and for our nation and for our world. And of course, we wrestled with the question of what part God might be calling us to play in this process of reconciliation. Those friends were Russ Cooper from our church, who all of you know, and Paul Kelly, the pastor of Second Christian Church, our sister church right here in Atchison on the other side of division, and also Michael Kelly, the minister of Shiloh Baptist Church. A lot was said in our time together, and I'm sure that much more will be said in the future as we have committed to spending time together on a regular basis, talking, praying, dreaming, seeking God's will for us. But I can sum up the important parts for you the things that were shared that day in my office. Here's just a few. First is that whatever we do together, 
it must be saturated in prayer, seeking God's direction. Because, and we talked about this last week, because we never want to slip into our plan. We always want to seek God's plan. Whatever we do together, it must be saturated in prayer. Secondly, whatever we do together, it must be rooted in Scripture. Because everything that we need to know is found in this book. Amen? We affirmed that whatever we do together, that it must extend beyond just words. Because Jesus said to us, we're not called to just be hearers of the word or talkers about his word, but doers of his word. And finally, perhaps most importantly, whatever we do together, it must be founded in love. Because without love, Paul tells us we are just noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. In our time together, one of my friends said something that has really stuck with me. He said, I'm not angry right now. I'm not disappointed in the world. The world is just doing what the world does. It's what we talked about last week. The ways of man, they always lead to chaos, lead to destruction, never leads to life or peace or a harvest of righteousness. He said, the world's just doing what the world does. I am disappointed, though, in the church for not standing up for what is right, for not speaking out against injustice and the mistreatment of our brothers and sisters. And he's right. As followers of Jesus, it has been from day one a part of our mission, a part of our mandate to stand up for what is right, to speak out against injustice, to be a voice for the voiceless. It's part of who we are. It's important to us because it was, and it is, important to Jesus. It does beg, I think, though, a very important question. How do we stand up for what is right? We know that we are supposed to stand up for what is right as followers of Jesus. But what is the right way to stand up for what is right? Let me first say what it's not. Standing up for what is right is not accomplished by injuring or killing police officers. It is not accomplished by burning down neighborhoods or looting businesses. There is nothing in the Bible about that. What is in the Bible? Micah 6, 8 tells us this that God has shown us what is good and what the Lord does require. And it is that we act justly, that we love mercy, and that we walk humbly with God. That is God's way. We are in this mess because we've been trying to do things our way. And the only way out of it, I believe, is to Begin doing things God's way. 
And that is speaking the truth and also acting the truth in love, always in love. I know that that's a lot to think about, especially with everything that is happening right now in our lives and in the world around us. So many opinions that are swirling and fingers of blame being pointed, especially on social media. My word of encouragement for each one of us today is don't be overwhelmed, don't be tossed to and fro with the wind of public opinion as it blows this way and that way. The only one whose opinion truly matters is God's and he sees what is in our hearts for better or for worse. I know that this is a difficult and challenging time for us to try and navigate, but I know that when we truly seek God's will and his direction that he will show us the path and the plan that he has established and prepared and carved out just for us for such a time as this. Second Chronicles 7:14 says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I know that is one thing that the people of God need right now is some healing. And only God can provide that in the way that we need. Pastor Russ also reminded us of a very powerful quote. It comes from Edmund Burke, and it's this. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men, and of course women, to do nothing, to say nothing, to stand for nothing. My prayer for all of us right now is that we may stand up for what is right, that we would speak out against injustice and the mistreatment of our brothers and sisters in Christ whenever and wherever we see it. Why? Because it was important to Jesus. It is important to Jesus. I mean, freedom and liberty and sight, those were not just things on a list of items that were important to Jesus. He showed us in the passage of scripture we read together from Luke that they were at the very top of his list, that they were the headline to the story of everything that would follow in his life and in his ministry. I pray that we might begin dialogue together, that we might talk with one another, that we might pray with one another, that we might dream together about a better future, God's future for us. And as we do, I, I pray that we would be surrounded 
and in prayer, everything that we do. I pray that we would be founded on God's word and that we would be walking in the love of God. I want to close our time together this morning with those words from Billy Graham, spoken 47 years ago, but just as true today. Here's what he said. He said, now Jesus was a man. He was human. He was not a white man. He was not a black man. He came from that part of the world that touches Africa and Asia and Europe. And he probably had brown skin. Christianity is not a white man's religion. And don't ever let anyone tell you that it's white or black. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. And his gospel is for everyone, whoever you are. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much that you see us as we are and where we are with all the mistakes that we have made. I thank you that you offer us forgiveness and restoration. I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way through the power of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our churches and in our community right now. We need healing. And Lord, if reconciliation is not something that is a high priority for us, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would speak to us, that you would show us the things that are important to you. And I believe that this is one of those things. Show us the things that are important to you and make them important to us. Continue to guide us, God, and I pray that, that everything we do would be wrapped in love, founded in your holy word, and guided and empowered by your Holy Spirit. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Over the course of these past few months, we have seen some dramatic shifts in giving at our church. In the first month, after the shelter-in-place order was issued, we saw our tithes and offerings drop, a staggering 75%. We put the word out, though, and everyone responded. With one of the most generous months our church has seen in a long time, over this past month, we have seen that support begin to decline again. Not much, but enough for us to want to let you know. The truth is, and I'll just be blunt, if we had just one Sunday where everyone doubled their weekly offering, we would actually be ahead of budget for the first time in years. That gets me excited, just thinking about it. I know it's a lot to ask, but I am anyway, because I believe it is possible, and because it would be a huge victory for our church and for our community which always benefits directly from our generosity. I know that that will not be possible for some people. I also know that there are others who are in a position to do more. As always, all we ask is that each of us make the decision to do what we can today, because every contribution makes a difference 
truly. Remember that checks can always be mailed to the church. You can scan the QR code on your screen right now to give by phone or go to our church website and follow a few simple steps to give securely by credit card or directly from your bank account. In advance, thank you for your support. We cannot do what we do without you.